listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Today is, for many of us, the first day out of our 21-day challenge, everybody. You guys made it, everybody make it through. You made it through. I hope you're feeling better. I was talking to somebody in the 9 a.m. that was just talking about how now that, now that uh, they're out of the habit of doing those things, they don't even, they don't even desire to bring it back. How awesome is that to, to think that you were, we're in a different habit? And really what we've done is we've, we've took those 21 days to pray and seek God and to fast and, uh, and, just, and, and just seek his face. And I think it's really changed us. And I think that along with this series has really, uh, can really do some great things in your life. In fact, this series, we've talked about how many of us uh, whenever it gets to the new year, so many of us, we have these New Year's resolutions. And we've just said that 90% of people in America make a New Year's resolution, but 80% of them abandon it by Valentine's Day, everybody. Which, guys, that's coming close. It's right around the corner. Uh, but it, that's just, that's just what, what we do. And uh, that's our habits. But we've said, what if, what if we could really like just get rid of those things? What if we could just, just isolate an issue and get, get, get rid of it once and for all. What if we could finally get over those things? And we've talked about addiction. We've talked about anger last week. We talked about depression. And this week, we're talking about something that um, definitely hits close to home for me again. Uh, it's some, it is something that I think every one of us deal with. I think a lot of young people specifically deal with this issue. And uh, it's really the issue of your identity are really what we're talking about today is insecurity. How so many of us, I think we live in a generation that is just very insecure. And I would say this message, wherever you're watching from today, this message is for the person who maybe you just feel like you're, you're sec- you just secretly just really don't like yourself. You're just not okay with who you are. This message is really for the person who would say, I, I, I just struggle with everything about myself. This person is for those people who they just have the low self-esteem. They, you, just, you, just, you just don't feel like you are enough. I think this message definitely hits close to home for me. It's a topic that I've struggled with all throughout my life. I mean, even today, as a senior pastor, being 22 years old, that's pretty unheard of in a church. And so oftentimes I feel like my age disqualifies me from doing this job. And, uh, and it's just something that I, I think so many of us, we can relate to that in some way or another, we all feel insecure. And I'll tell you a little bit more about my story later in the service, but I really wanted to begin with this verse today um, that I think really sets up things well for us. It's a verse out of Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. I've used these verses a lot in the past couple of weeks Just because I really do believe that a lot of your issues are actually driven from this. It says, be careful how you think. So many of us, the reason that we have issues is not because of other people. Oftentimes, it's just the way that we think. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thinking. In fact, if you're like most people... You've probably, your, your, life, your life has just totally been shaped by what's going on in your head. In fact, today, I just want to bring, to set up this insecurity idea, 
I just want to bring you two things that I think the world, how the world really wants us, wants to define us. I want to bring you two things that I think the world, how the world really makes us insecure. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes is this, is that for so many of us, we're insecure because we've just let culture define who we are. We let culture define who we are. And quite honestly, we've let culture define what's important to us. But can I tell you, culture's got it all wrong, everybody. They've got it all messed up. You see, culture says things like this. Culture says, if you're good looking on the outside, then you're probably a pretty awesome person. It's all about your looks. That's what culture wants to tell you, but that's not the truth at all. And, but so many of us, we, we believe in that truth. So many of us, we think that that is just the truth that it, I just got to be, I got to be good looking on the outside. So, so a lot of us will do anything we can. We'll do, we'll spend all kinds of money. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do to try to change our physical appearance. Just because culture says in order for you to have a positive outlook of yourself, you have to look a certain way. And so all of us, so many of us will we'll, we'll buy fancy clothes. We'll, we'll, we'll spend all kinds of money. We'll do whatever we can to make ourselves look right. We'll do anything to change that physical appearance. But can I tell you this morning that God is not looking for that? God has never once cared about you know, the outside, your physical appearance. Can I tell you, our God looks in, inside. He looks in your heart. He's looking at your heart. He, he doesn't care what you look like on the outside, but... We still, we, we've just let culture define what's important. And I would say that it's not only culture that has defined what's important for us, but I think we're to blame too. Like when we think honestly about this, like we idolize people who are just, who are just the good looking people, right? Like we are just as bad at like, oh, I, I, she looks nice. I like her. So we're going to idolize her or him or that thing. We, I think we're to blame as well for the reason that we're so messed up in our head and we're so insecure is because we've just idolized the wrong people. In fact, I heard this story this week. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this to you. A great story about this lady. This lady, she went to church, and uh, I, I said that the next message series is going to be a little spicy. Well, this church was a little spicy, this lady went to. And so she, she went, this lady went to church, and, and she came down to the altar, and, and someone prophesied to her at the altar, and the, the pastor went up to her and said, and just looked at her and said, God is guaranteeing, you know how pastors just, they got that certain voice. I don't have that voice yet. Maybe one day, uh, but the, the, it, it just looks like God's guaranteeing that you're going to live another 40 years. That lady was pretty excited. You know, when you get, she's like, oh, I'm going to live another 40 years. So that lady, she thought, well, if God's going to give me that guarantee, then I want to look better, everybody. Like, I'm going to look good for the rest of the 40 years that I'm going to be on this earth. And so, and so she went to the doctor, and she got some tummy tucking, everybody. She got some liposuction. And she got some injections. Uh, she got some enhancements, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and she, just, she decided that she wanted to look good for the rest of her 40 years. She just said to herself, you know what? If I'm going to live another 40 years, I'm going to look good. Well, the next day, the sad part about this story is that uh, she's driving, she gets into a wreck, and she dies in a car accident. This lady, she got to heaven, and she tells God, she says, God, I thought you promised that I was going to live another 40 years. And God looks at her and says, oh, I didn't recognize you. It'll take some of you a minute. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I didn't even... Did that. 
Well, I, you know what? All the other crowds liked it, but you guys. So I, that's, it went really good for the 9 a.m. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But can I just tell you, none of those things, none of them, they don't define you. None of those things define you. But yet we've let what culture says define us. And not only does culture say we have to look right, but culture also says that we've got to have the right possessions. We've got to have the right house. We've got to have the right car. We've got to have this amount of money. A culture also says that we've got to, uh, we've got to perform the right way, that our performance defines us. We've just, we've let culture define us. And can I tell you somebody, it's not working. It's not working. And so many of you, the, the reason that you're so upset, the reason you're so insecure, the reason you're so messed up is because you've let culture define you and it's done it for far too long. Here's the second thing. It's this, it's that we've let, I'm sorry, we've let our past define who we are. We let our past define who we are. For so many of us, the sad picture, I I, I talk to so many people who are just quite literally just living their life in the rear view mirror, meaning they're just they're only looking back. That's all they can do. That's all they want to do. They all, all, all they can do is look back. And for so many of us, we've just let what has happened to us just define who we are. We've just let it define who we will be. Can I tell you that you have to realize that the God you and I serve, he's not limited to, or he's not even interested in what has happened in your past, everybody. He doesn't care about what's happened in your past. The Bible says that he not only wants to forgive you from your past, but his word says that he wants to cleanse you from your yesterdays. Meaning that God doesn't even know when, when you forgive and you ask and you ask for forgiveness from your yesterdays and all the bad things that he's done, he doesn't even remember it. The Bible says that he forgets it. But so many of us, we go to God every day and we're just, we're reminding him of the bad things that we've done. We haven't let it go and we've let our past define who we are. But can I tell you, our God sees your potential. He sees the potential on the inside of you. And some of us, that's our problem. We've just let our past define who we are. For, uh, for others of us, we've let the negative words of our past, the negative words that have been spoken over us, we've let those negative words define who we are. Some of you, maybe you still live in that environment where you, hear, you just hear junk about you every day. You hear stuff like you're not good enough every day. Listen, for so many of us, we've had people in our life that we've defined as important in our life, we, we've defined them. Maybe, maybe for you, it was, maybe for you, it was your dad or your mom. Maybe for you, it was your, your boss. Maybe it was a teacher for you. And they've said things to you that have been demeaning and it's destroyed you. And you're, you're quite literally living your life through their tragic words, through, through, through their words. And you're living your life through those words that they have spoken over you in the past. Some of us, others of us, we've had, tra- we've, we've just gone through very tragic experiences in our life. And it's like those tragic experiences have just branded us. Like they've just left a mark on us. Can I tell you that God doesn't see what you've done? No, he only sees the potential in you. And as long as you walk around branded by what you've done, branded by your past, can I tell you, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. And you will live your life insecure. And so for so many of us, that's where we are. That's where we are. We've just, we've let culture define us. Some of us have let culture tell us who we are. Others of us, 
We're insecure because we've just let our fa- or what, we've just let our past define who we are. If you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you've probably picked up that each week we really have been trying to get to the root cause of the issue. You know, insecurity it can't just be fixed by just identifying that. Oh, I'm just insecure. I need to I need to just fix that. No, we we have to get to the root cause of it. And so today I just want to give you two passages, one very short scripture that I'm going to break down for you, and then the next passage is actually a story that I want to give you. But these two passages I think will really help break down the root cause of insecurity for you. This first passage is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to there. But this verse, I really do believe that you need to see this verse in the original language that it's in. This verse is an Old Testament verse. Uh, is a, I'm sorry, is a New Testament verse, which is written in the Greek language. And uh, the Greek language, by the way, is four times more descriptive than the English language. So when the translators came to translate the Bible from the original language to the English language, your translators are pretty limited to what they can say in the English language, just because the English language is just not near as descriptive as the Greek language. And so these translators are limited. And so what I want to do today, I just want to show you what it is uh, in the, I want to break down some Greek words for you. Uh, to help you understand this passage a little bit better, because at first this might not make a whole lot of sense to you, um, but I, I promise you, hang with me a little bit. We're going to go pretty deep here. You hang with me. I'll sum it up uh, in just a minute. But here's what Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says this. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Today, I just want to break down these three words for you. Highly, sober judgment, and faith. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Well, highly in the Greek is quite literally translated just means, it's it's the Greek word hooperphaneo. Hooperphaneo. And highly translated straight from the Greek just quite literally means this. It means an improper view. It just means the scripture is just saying, you, you're, you have an improper view of yourself, meaning so many of us, we've just made a bad self-assessment. We, we just don't think of ourselves in, right, in the right way. This word quite literally means you're just out of your mind. You're just not in your right mind. So when scripture says this, it, it just means that you're, you're not in your right mind, meaning that you've bought into an idea that is just not consistent with God's idea. It's not consistent with what God sees inside of you. You see, most of us, we have, we, we've let something in the world brand who we are that's just simply not true. And that thing is destroying our life. And that's why scripture says you've bought into the wrong idea. You've bought into the wrong thing. And then it says, the scripture goes on to say, instead of essentially having this hooperphaneo, right? Instead of, instead of thinking too highly, instead of having this hooperphaneo, they use the word sober, which comes from the same root word as highly. In fact, it's highly is hooperphaneo and sober is sophaneo, which means that these two words are quite literally related in the Greek language, which literally means being in your right mind or sober just meaning having a right mind, having the right mind. And I think it goes even deeper than that because when you do these word studies on these specific words, uh, you look at where else it's used in, in scripture 
And another place that this same word, this same sober word is used is when Jesus is casting a devil out of a guy. Uh, and this guy is really messed up. I mean, he is super messed up. He's throwing himself into a fire. He's cutting himself. He's trying to drown himself. This guy has serious issues. And Jesus comes along and he casts the devil out of this guy. And this guy, he finds himself all of a sudden healed. And the Bible says after Jesus cast the devil out, it said that the guy was so phineo, or in our translation, he was sober, essentially, also meaning that the guy was in his right mind. So when you do the word study on this word, I, I, I think the word also just means like you might need some type of deliverance to get this out of you, meaning that you need to be freed from the womb that has hurt you, that hurt. You need to be freed from that bad definition. You need to be able to let go of the bad things that have happened to you. You need to be able to let go of your past, meaning that you've just got the wrong thinking and you need to have the right thinking. So that's what scripture says. You need to move from this improper view of yourself to having, to being in the right mind. And for those of you who like to go a little bit deeper, I highlighted the third word, which is faith in that passage. Faith literally just means to believe. I didn't put that in your notes, but faith really is just, is just, is believing. It literally means, uh, it, it not just, let me say this. It doesn't just mean to believe like we think of believing. It literally comes from the literally means that faith comes from the assurance of the relationship you have with God. Faith quite literally just is talking about in this passage that because of that relationship, because of that strong relationship that you have with God, you understand what he believes about you. I, 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 so, I, I so believe that. I mean, that's what, whenever we talk about here at Real, that introducing people to the real Jesus, that's our mission statement. When you, when you meet the real Jesus, when you have a true relationship with God, that's, you, you begin to understand what he believes about you. You begin to really know, you begin to really know what he says and you begin to put aside what the world says. And that's really what this scripture says. In fact, I know that was a bit confusing. So I put Romans 12 verse three in my notes as the Noah Fritchie paraphrase. You ready for this? So this is, this is my interpretation here. Uh, it, it, this is, this is re really what I believe it means. A, a better representation of this verse. It says this. It says, don't have an unhealthy view of yourself, but rather be set free from the wrong view and let God give you right thinking by being assured of who he is and what he believes about you. I think that's a much better translation that we need to begin in order for you to get rid of this improper view, in order for you to have to be in your right mind, to get over that insecurity, you need to understand what God believes about you. And so if the root cause is that we've been listening to the wrong places, that we've been listening to the wrong relationships, as your pastor, I feel like I need to get you closer to the right relationship, right? I need to help you understand how God actually sees you. Because when you see how God actually sees you, You'll be able to fight those, that, that battle of insecurity that you have. So here's what I think is the root cause of all insecurity issues, insecurity identity issues. It's this, is that you'll never be right until you can see right. Think about that for a minute. You'll never be right until you can see right. 
You see, as long as your assessment of yourself is based on culture, as long as the assessment of yourself is based on your past, based on your own assessment and not God's, you're never going to be right. In order for you to be right, you've got to begin to see the right things. Until you see yourself the way God sees you, you'll never, ever be able to battle these insecurity issues. So the question of the day really is just this. It's how. How do I do this? How do I see myself the way that God sees me? In order to show you this, I just want to bring you a passage uh, out of Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 is an Old Testament story about a guy named Gideon. You've probably heard of Gideon before, if you've been in church before. Uh, Gideon is here in Judges. And by the way, I think Judges is really not the best translation, again, for this, uh, for this passage of Scripture, for this, the title of this book. Because many of us in America here, we think of Judges as these people in a big courtroom, right? And they they're probably have a robe on or something, and, and they're kind of scary and all this different stuff. That's not, like so many of us, we think Judges as in like Judge Judy or something. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just... I, which I, by the way, I, I admitted on Saturday night that I may or may not have the people's court recorded in my DVR. Uh, <laughs> just sometimes those shows are pretty funny sometimes. And so I don't know. Uh, I won't confirm or deny that. Uh, but that's a, a lot of the times that's what we, that's what we see as judges. We think of a panel, uh, we think of these people, but that's not really, uh, what judges did in this book. Judges in the Bible, I think a better name for them would have been deliverers. They were God's chosen deliverers. You see, God in this story in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, God had a nation. God had his people, Israel. And God never wanted his nation to have a king because he wanted to be the king. God was the king. But here's what happens. The Israelites, his people, God's people, they begin to complain. And they want a king. They want, they want some type of jurisdiction on the earth. And so God gives in, and uh, eventually uh, God gives them a judge. And, but, and, and eventually he would, later on down the road, eventually God would give them a king. But during the time of the judges, this was right before they actually had a king. During the time of the judges, God really was their king. That's who, that's who the king of the nation was. But... Like all people, people disobey. And so God's people disobeyed him like we all do from time to time. And here's what would happen. When God's people would disobey, God would essentially allow the enemies to come in and attack the nation. Which by the, time I, by, by the way, I think God will do this to us from time to time. Like there'll be times where we go off on our own way. And he will, I think God will then allow things to happen to us just to kind of get our attention. And for, sadly, sad, this doesn't have to happen to you, but sadly for so many people, that's what has to happen to them. A lot of people have to go their own way for a little bit, and then they come to this really bad breaking point where something happens to them, and they turn back to God. I pray that doesn't happen to you, but oftentimes God can allow things to happen to get your attention. Now, I want to stop and also say that God does not make those things happen. Not at all. God, there's no bone in his body. There is no body to God. But if you take, take that picture, he, there is no evil in God. He cannot, he cannot produce evil. That's not who he is. But he can't allow things to happen to maybe turn his people back to him. And so really that's what would happen from time to time in Judges. God's people would disobey. 
God would raise up a judge and the judge would deliver them and really set them free. And then they would live free for a little bit and then it would all happen over and over again. And so they, 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 they'd be attacked, they'd get attacked, they were oppressed, it was awful, and then they'd cry out to God. God would raise up that judge and they'd be free again. They'd have that deliverer and then they'd serve God for a while and it was great. Now Gideon... Gideon was one of those judges. He was one of those deliverers. And so God's people, at this point where we pick it up in the story, God's people had walked away from him. And the Midianites are now just, another nation is just oppressing the fire out of these people, right? They're just, they're, they're just, they're, they're attacking God's people. And God's people are quite literally just miserable. And that's where we pick it up in this story in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Azurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, if you know anything about a wine press or threshing wheat, you know that these two things don't go together. I want you, you have to understand this, that a wine press normally is down in the ground. It's usually just a big pit. That's where you would press wine and you would press grapes in a wine press. That's that's where that's at. Now, that's not where you thresh wheat. Let me give you a little threshing wheat 101, everybody, because you need to understand this. Uh, here's how you thresh wheat. Uh, you, you needed to thresh wheat on top of the ground somewhere, somewhere kind of high, where the wind would blow. Because the, the ideal place to thresh wheat is that the process would be, you, when you got the wheat, you would essentially crunch the wheat up a little bit, and the chaff and the husk would separate from the wheat. And then you'd have this pitchfork-like thing, and then you would just essentially just throw it all up in the air. And all the stuff that you didn't want would essentially just float away. The wind would take it away. And the, the, that husk and the chaff would separate. And then you would be left with what you wanted, which was the grain. The grain would fall down because it's the heaviest part. And then you'd be, you'd be left with pure grain at the bottom. But Gideon, he's in a wine press in a pit threshing wheat, which is not what you do. We learn why he does that. Because the next verse says he's doing it to keep it from the Midianites that are attacking him. Gideon here, the reason he's threshing wheat in this pit is because he's scared. He's scared to death that these guys are going to steal his harvest. And my boy Gideon, he's hungry, everybody. He wants to eat. And so he's hiding so that he has something to eat. And so now he's threshing wheat in a pit. And Gideon, he's just, he's so miserable at this point. And I just thought, when, when, when I was reading this story, I just thought, wow, what a picture it is for so many of us. Because for a lot of us, that's exactly where we are. A lot of us, we're living life down in the pits, everybody. We're, we're, we're in the pits. And I want you to notice that in the pit, Gideon's perspective is totally wrong. That while you're down in the pit, you can't see yourself from the right perspective like Gideon's down there and he's looking around and like what do you see in a pit all you see is the wall surrounding you right I mean you can't see anything I mean his perspective is all wrong and what I want you to notice is that in this next scripture God gives Gideon really a different perspective God sees something completely different about Gideon it says this it says when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon he said the Lord is with you mighty warrior which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Gideon is, high, Gideon is anything but a mighty warrior. 
He's hiding in a pit. He's not trying to do anything. To which I think Gideon probably thought in his head, probably like, you talking to me? <laughs> like, yeah, I, God, I think you got the wrong guy because I'm not the mighty warrior that you think I am. I'm just a wimp in a wine press, right? Like that, that's who I am. But can I tell you, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon couldn't see in himself, which I think, by the way, is the root cause for all of our self-esteem issues. It's the fact that we see things from the wrong perspective. I want you to notice that God's perspective is not in the pit. Instead, God's perspective was looking up over the whole thing. And he, God is essentially saying to Gideon, Gideon, you see the walls and I know that you're down in this pit. I know that you see the darkness. I know that you see this confining space. But God says, no, I, I know that that's what you might be thinking right now. But I see a mighty warrior on the inside of you. God is essentially saying, Gideon, I see this champion on the inside of you. And Gideon just really couldn't understand it. And I think that's a picture for so many of us. Because for, for a lot of us, it's like you guys are here at church today. And you hear the things like, you hear me say, well, God is good. And God loves you. And he cares about you. But it, you, you go home and you're like, oh, it never really works for me. I, I just can't ever really see that. It's because you're stuck in the pit because you've got the wrong perspective. It's because you don't understand what God sees in you and what God says about you. In fact, Gideon was so bold, he goes back to God and he says, but, but sir, but sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? You ever been that way before? Like, oh, oh, if God is with me, then why is all this junk happening to me right now? And he goes back, so Gideon goes back to God and is like, I don't know what you're talking about, mighty champion, but why, why has all this happened to us? Where are his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Gideon takes some time and he just complains back to God, essentially. But I want you to notice, and I think this is kind of a funny part in the story. Gideon complains to God, but God doesn't even respond to Gideon's complaint. <laughs> God just passes right over Gideon's complaint. Look at what he says. He says, it says, but now the Lord has abandoned us. Sorry, this was still Gideon's complaint here. And then it says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in strength. You, uh, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But the problem for Gideon is even though God called Gideon a mighty warrior. Even though God is sending Gideon to save his people, Gideon still couldn't see it. Gideon is completely insecure. In fact, Gideon finally gets honest with God, which by the way, can I just say this? Like the reason I think so many of us battle with this problem with insecurity is because we never get honest. We never get honest about what's going on. A lot of us, we, we, we're never healed because we're never honest. And that's what Gideon does. Gideon gets honest with God and he says, but Lord, how can I do this? I don't know how I'm going to do it. Gideon gets honest and he says, well, I don't know how to do it. And by the way, my clan is the weakest. And not only are they the weakest, but I'm the least in my family. Gideon gets honest with God and he says, I, I'm the weakest of the weak. Like, God, I think you got the wrong guy. Like, I'm not no mighty warrior. Not only am I not good in my clan, of, of my, in my tribe here, but I'm the, the, the weakest in my family. 
And when I read this, I thought, wow, and that's exactly how I felt oftentimes in my life. And that might surprise you, but I, I feel like every time that I get up here to preach on Sunday, I come out of that stage just scared to death, everybody. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, there's often, I just don't know I, if I can do it. I doubt myself. I just have, I just have this fear that I just don't know. Like, and I, I often pray a prayer before I come out here that just says, you know, God, I can't do it without you. And quite honestly, I don't want to do it without him either. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that good to just come out here and not have to rely on him. I think there's a holy fear that you need in your life. But I, 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 I'm just that same. Oftentimes, I'm just, I, I, I just have this crisis of, God, I, I can't. I, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I just hear voices that just say, you know, you're, you're just not all that. But I, I, I find comfort in my insecurity by looking at this passage, look at, what, look at how God responds to Gideon. When Gideon says, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm the weakest of the weak. The Lord says, hey, Gideon, I've got your back. Hey, Gideon, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I've heard a lot of people talk about the story of Gideon. I've never heard, I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this last part together. I think this together word is pretty important because God essentially says, and when you read the rest of this story, you see that God actually puts Gideon around some people that sees his potential. Like God essentially tells Gideon, he says, I'm going to give you a team to make this happen because God knows that Gideon's not going to be able to do it by himself because he doesn't know who he is. He can't do it alone. Instead, God says, you know what? I'm going to have to get you around the right people. I'm going to have to get you in the right relationships. And can I tell you, and sure enough, that's what God does. God, God gives him this team of people and Gideon, they get the victory and God uses Gideon as a mighty warrior. He uses Gideon as this mighty deliverer. And the Bible says that Gideon, after all of that happened, after Gideon got the victory, Gideon built an altar and he worshiped the Lord and he called it, the Lord is my peace. A lot of us, we'd look over this, but this word peace here translated is the word shalom which quite literally just means content isn't every person who struggles with insecurity aren't they just looking to be content just just content when they look in the mirror like for the first time i can look in the mirror and be okay with what i see like for the first time I don't have to assess myself anymore based off of my grades. I don't have to assess myself anymore based off of my resume. I don't have to assess myself anymore based off of what state I'm from or what they said about me. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Gideon essentially says, I don't have to worry about what they say about me anymore. I know what God has called me. I know who God says I am. And because of that, I'm at peace and I'm content with myself. Listen, you can be bullied your whole life if you don't begin to see yourself with the right perspective. And if we're not careful, we'll buy into the wrong assessment and you won't have any peace in your life. And that's what I want for you. I mean, my dream for you is to be able to see yourself in that way, to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm content in who God says I am. And in order to give you that today, in order to help you find the right identity today, in order to help you not feel so insecure today, I want to give you three practical things that you can do at home. 
three things that three ways that you need to change to really make yourself to, to really be able to be like Gideon and say, you know what? I, I, I can look in the mirror and I know that I am content. Here's three things that need to happen that you need to do in your life. If you struggle with this, if you struggle with insecurity, you need to begin to see God correctly. You see so many of us, we just have this really awful view of who God is. In fact, if you're like me, I remember in middle school, just raised in this really religious environment where God was just, God was just portrayed as harsh. He was portrayed as mean. It was like, like God was just harsh, mean, and mad at you. You know what I mean? And what I learned when I grew up is that it wasn't that God was harsh, mean, and mad at me. I learned that it was because the people who preached to me were harsh, mean and oftentimes thought you did something wrong all the time you know what I mean like that that it wasn't that God saw you that way it was the person and I I grew up in this environment in middle school where it was just like just constantly reminded like you're you deserve to go to hell you deserve to go to which, which I understand that to an extent like we all deserve we all deserve death we all deserve to go to hell but the good news is, is that we, we don't have to, that Jesus paid that price for us. But I, I grew up in that environment where you, you deserve to go to hell. And, and, and then you would be asking questions. Well, well, what do I do? How do I not go there? How do I not get to that bad place? And, and their answers all the time were just things like this. Well, well, you need to memorize more. You need to get in scripture more. You need to pray a little bit longer. And not only do you need to pray longer, but you need to pray the right words. And it needs, it needs to be not the words out of this book, not out of that denomination's book, but out of this denomination's book. And if you pray those words, that's what will get you into heaven. And if you would just be a better Christian, I mean, listen, I mean, you could never get it right. You just couldn't. There, there was just no way to get it right. And can I just tell you, I, I, I didn't like, at that point in my life, I did not like that God. I, I didn't like that God, but hey, I pretended to like him because I didn't want to go to hell, everybody. You know, it's just, I, I, I pretended to. But here's what I'm telling you today. Listen, religion has lied to us. Listen, that's not my God. That's not the God that I serve, everybody. That's not who he is. You have a God who looks down at you and he loves you. And can I tell you, he's not mad at you, everybody. He loves you. He cares about you. Listen, everything you've ever did wrong has been satisfied because of Jesus on the cross. And because of that, he loves you. He looks at you and he doesn't just see a dirty, filthy sinner. No, he, he, he loves you. He looks at you. He wants to be in relationship with you. That's why the Bible says this. It says in Psalm 59, it says, my God is changeless in his love for me. Aren't you glad that your God is changeless in his love for me? That even though you did some bad things this week, and yeah, you may have thrown around some curse words this week, he's still loves you just as much as he did. He knows what you did this week and he still loves you. You need that right view of God. So many of us are insecure just because we believe that our God doesn't like us, that he doesn't want to be with us, that he is distant. That's not who God is. In order for you to battle that insecurity, you need to know who your God is and your God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to be with you. And until you believe that, you'll never be able to believe what he says about you. And that's the second thing. In order to, in order to battle your insecurity, you need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. 
You need to see yourself the way God sees you. Don't let culture define you. We've talked about that. Culture's lying. Instead, you need to be set free from those lies. And can I tell you the only way to do that is to be in a right relationship with God where you can begin to see yourself correctly. And I, 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 just, I just promise you, if you just get close to Jesus, if you, you, you'll begin to understand what he says about you. But you say, well, Pastor Noel, but I've messed up. I've done some really bad things in my life. Well, look, look at what, here's, I know you've done some bad things, but look at what God says about you. God says, no, you're not like those bad things you did this week. You're not like those bad things that have happened to you. No, instead, you're chosen. You're chosen by God himself. You're priest of the king. You're holy. You're pure. This is what my, our God thinks about us. You are God's very own. You're a child of God. All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I tell you, that's how God sees you. That's how God sees you. And you better begin to start believing it. And finally, number three, last point here is this, is that you need to get around people who see me the way God sees me. You need to get into some re- a relationship. You need to get around some people that see you the way God sees you. You see, that's for so many of us, that's our problem. I mean, I, 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 I get you, I feel like I get you in here on Sundays and we, I, I get you worked out every week. Like you come in and you, you get a spiritual workout every Sunday and I'm excited about that and that's great. But the problem for so many of us is then we just go back out there and we start listening to the wrong people again. We start letting them define who we are. We let culture define who we are. And we, we have to, I, I mean, we've just got to keep you away from some, from some of those people. Some of you, you've got some people in your life that you just need to totally disconnect from because they just speak negative words over you constantly. You just need to get rid of some of those people in your life. You need to begin to, not only do you need to do that, but I think one of the greatest ways is that you need to be intentional about getting around the right people who see the right things in you. And can I tell you, church, that's why we harp and harp and harp about small groups. That's why it's so important for you to get in a group. Listen, we're not trying to build some type of empire with small groups. That's not what, it, that's not what it's about. We're not, we don't have small groups just because it's another fun thing for the church to do. Uh, we don't have small groups just, to, uh, just because we're trying to have another great program at the church. It's not at all what it is. We have small groups because I, 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 I'm quite literally trying to save your life. I'm trying to get you in an environment where regardless of, of, of what happens to you, of regardless of why you meet for the group, regardless of what you do in the group, listen, it really doesn't matter. I'm just trying to get you around some people that when life beats you up, that when, when, when people say mean things to you, when, when people, when you're insecure and you go to that group, I guarantee somebody will say, you know, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Listen, that group, when you're down, when you're stressed out, when you're upset, when you're insecure, they can look at you and they can say, you know, I know you feel that way, but here's what God says. God says you're a mighty warrior. God says you're a champion. God says you're his child and that he's taking care of you. Get in a group, everybody. Get around the right people. I, that's, I, I couldn't say it enough. In fact, I'm just going to leave you with this. This is the last scripture here. Uh, Proverbs 27:17 just says, as iron sharpens iron, 
So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You need some people like that. You need some people that can sharpen you, that can make you better, that can call you out of some things, and that can, and that can just, just take you to a new level. That's my hope for you. It's my hope for you. Find some people who can do that for you. And so I thought, well, how, how do we wrap this entire series up? Like, like, been four weeks of talking about how to get over things. How can I wrap this up? I think this next statement pretty much wraps this whole, the last four or five weeks up. It says, is that right relationships, they help us define who we are and what we become. Whether you struggle with addiction, depression, anger, whatever topic we've talked about, can I promise you that you get in a right relationship Someone will help you through it. That person will sharpen you. It'll help define who you are and what you become. I just want to give you this last thought here. I, I, I think this is such an interesting statement, and it's so true. Someone said once, show me, show me your, your five best friends, your, the five people that you hang around with. I can show you your future. Totally the truth. Think about your circle. Think about the direction that you're heading. I just challenge you. Are you in the right relationships? Because whether you want it or not, those relationships will define who you are and what you will become. Let's pray together all over this room. Father, today, God, we, we lift your name high. God, today, I pray for every person in this room that battles with insecurity. God, I pray for every person in this room that feels like they're just not enough. God, I pray that your presence would just fill them right now in this place. God, I pray that your presence would be with them this week. Father, remind them that if they have no reason to be insecure, God, I know that culture has told us how we should look and how we should feel and what we should do. God, I know there's people in this room who have been bound by their past, but Father, today we just stand and say, it's been far too long. We're not looking in the rearview mirror anymore. Instead, we're looking forward to what you say about us. God, help us battle our insecurity by calling us to new things. God, we know that you've called us a mighty warrior. God, you know that we know that you've called us a champion. God, help us to take upon that identity, not the world's identity. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're calling us to higher and greater and better places. Lord, would you help each and every one of us to get in the right relationships? God, help us to get in relationships where we can sharpen each other. Help us to get around some people that call us, call the better part of us out of us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for how good you are. We thank you for calling us out of that pit. Thank you for calling us out of that wine press and seeing something better and greater in us. We praise your name today for that. We love you. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, recognize that there's people in this room, maybe you're watching online today, you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. 
You say today that you need a hand in getting out of that wine press. You need a hand in getting out of that pit. I'd love to give you a hand up to help you get out of that pit. You can start a relationship with Jesus. The Bible just says this. It says that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you can be saved. If that's you, if you're in this room, you're watching online today, I'd love for you just to, wherever you're at, would you just whisper this to yourself at your seat at home? Just whisper this to yourself. Say this after me. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Thank you for saving me. Wherever you're at, just tell him, just say, God, I love you. I love you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for pulling me out of that pit. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer today? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially, or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.